Blog Talk Radio. This just in, you were looking at a, obviously a very disturbing live shot there. That is the World Trade Center, and we have unconfirmed reports this morning that a plane has crashed into one of the towers of the World Trade Center. But overall, the uh, American journalism was cowed and intimidated by the, uh, this uh, the patriotic orgy. You know, if you criticize the president, it's unpatriotic, and there's something wrong with you, you may be a terrorist. So, so in that sense, there's not enough room for dissenting voices? Well, there's plenty of room. Uh, there's just not enough. People are willing to take the risk. Jim, I, I yep. don't know whether we've confirmed that this was an aircraft, or to be more specific, some people said they thought they saw a missile. There was definitely a blue logo. It was like a circular logo on the front of the plane. Um, it definitely did not look like a commercial plane. I didn't see any windows on the side. Mark, if what you say is true, those could be cargo planes. You said you didn't see any windows in the side? I didn't see any windows on the side. It was, it, it was not a normal flight that I've ever seen at an airport. It was a plane that had a blue uh, logo on the front, and it just it did not look like it belonged in this area. It's just sort of a, uh, a herd mentality, a lemming-like mentality. You don't go with the flow. You're anti-American, therefore a suspect. This is as close as we can get to the base of the World Trade Center. You can see the firemen assembled here, the police officers, FBI agents, and you can see the two towers. A huge explosion now raining debris on all of us. We better get out of the way. It is Tuesday. September 11th, 2018, 17 years removed from September 11th, 2001, where the terror attacks happened in New York City, Shanksville, Pennsylvania, and at the Pentagon in Washington, D.C. You're listening to a special Triggered and Divided podcast. Um, Like I said, today's Tuesday, our our normal day. Last week we did it on Thursday, but this week we're, we're back to normal. Um, I am running the ship alone today, Bobby Cuomo. So it's going to be a good show, a long show. I have a lot to present to you guys, a lot of clips, a lot of topics. It's our 9-11 conspiracy show. So if you want to call in and give us your takeaway in on where you were when 9-11 happened, uh, what you thought about when it happened, and maybe when you became a conspiracy theorist, or you could just tell me how big of a dumbass I am for being a conspiracy theorist on this, because for me, it's nothing is conclusive. I just like to ask questions, and a lot of this just doesn't add up, and a lot of it doesn't make sense. So our phone number is 646-668-2950. Once again, that is 646-668-2950. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Blog Talk Radio slash Triggered and Divided. Or you can find us after our live shows. They are then broadcast on iTunes. And just look up Triggered and Divided and you will easily find us. Um, I I did not mention, though, that you cannot find us on Twitter because we are banned. (laughs) We are now a one-month, we're one year and one-month banned from Twitter. So they probably won't let us back on. But um, I kind of just want to get started into this whole 9-11 conspiracy what really it means to me. Um, For people out there who don't know me, I am from New York. I was born and raised in Queens, New York, Ozone Park. I was living there. My dad worked in downtown Manhattan, lower Manhattan, in 1993 when the first World Trade Center bombing happened. 
And when, when they planted that bomb, I think it was like 12 feet away from the building. Had that bomb been inside that garage or anywhere closer, God knows what it would have done, but instead it, uh, it did kill quite a few people. But I remember there, I, I was living in Long Island at the time, and my dad couldn't come home. He was stranded in Manhattan. I don't think he came home until late, late, late that night. I remember the sirens going off when I lived in East Rockaway as a kid. I think I was 12 years old. And it was the scariest thing, watching people come out of the Trade Center with black, like black all over their mouths and their faces, and it just looked horrible. But um, so New York is where I'm from. The attack on New York is a bit personal to me. And what 9-11 means to me, you know, it's like an attack on my home. And for most people, you know, it's an attack on their country. But, you know, I live in Denver. If this happened in Denver, I think people in Denver would have taken a lot more, um, but taken it more personally, taken a little bit more with pride. Uh, but let's think we have our uh, first caller of the day. Calling it the Trigger and Divided Show. We got calling today. Yeah, this is Mike from Singapore. How you doing, sir? Pardon me, who is this? This is Mike. Mike from Singapore. How are you today? I'm doing well, Mike from Singapore. Thank you for calling in. Yes. What would you like to talk about My today? Friend, okay, this 911 theory that was inside job, that's a little bit uh, not a right side, my friend, because would you, okay, would your father, mother come and kill you? I mean, the chances are very, very low, you know. Say, for example, it's inside job. Is your mother, father come and uh, kill you? I mean, will the U.S. government... Are you comparing the government, the, the people in charge of our country, to, like, my mother and father? I just want to just stay on the same page. Right. I mean, we. Okay, how is that possible the U.S. government comes and runs such operations and hit the Twin Towers and and other people killed inside the plane, etc. And uh, I mean, it's 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 not logic to me, my friend. And well, yes, which I, which part I, of the which which part of the conspiracy is? most illogical to you like we're going to talk about oh i know you kind of just you kind of called in really early out of the show so i haven't really addressed um really any of the just the many smoking guns and many many conspiracies i mean like there are things like the building seven that fell down there i mean i'm going to get into that uh we're going to get into the the, entire, the pentagon i mean i don't think that i am making any conclusive uh declaration of what happened all I'm doing yeah, is yeah. having a show on, on say, hey, you know, there's a lot of questions out there. I mean, did you know that it wasn't just yeah. the schmucks that just created this movement? The Truther movement was created by 9-11 widows. So, you know, it was people who, like you were telling me, you know, if my mom and dad killed me, right? Well, the movement was I mean, created by I mean, people the chances who is very low, my friend. The chances, yeah, chances is very low, uh, great, uh, I mean, that... Uh, you are living with your mother, father, and mother, uh, or either of them that come and shows you. Well, I mean, we see that it happens. Sure. But I well, you're, mean, you're, you're uh, correct. It is, it is low for my parents to kill me. Yes. But let me ask you a question, Mike. Yeah. Um, I'm thirty. I'm thirty-six. Are Are you as Are you older than me? Uh, 
I mean, if I say you, I don't like you to say I feel older, you know. But yeah, <laughs> no, it's okay. So, so whatever I, I you want, just, you, use your imagination. Uh, my, my, my point, my my point, yeah, okay. My point is, you yeah. sound you sound like an older gentleman. You sound really established, well educated. So you may remember the Vietnam War. The Vietnam War was brought to you by our United States government, brought to you by a conspiracy of the Gulf and Tolkien. It's a verified factual account that that actually didn't happen, and that killed fifty thousand Americans. So if they were willing to do that, to lie over killing 50,000 of our boys in the 60s and 70s, I mean, what's 3,000? 3,000 out of 50,000. I mean, why is, why, is the, why is Vietnam something that is tangible, you know, something that happened? But You know, if, you know, we can go to the moon, many people say we never landed in the moon. And many people say we did land the moon and we put the U.S. I don't have a there. horse in that fight. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I mean, it can go both. Yeah, I, I mean, it depends how you represent it, my friend. But to me, the chances, uh, I mean, yeah, George W. Bush, it was George W. Bush, I think, is in charge, right? At that time? Yes. Yes, Georgia. Yes, I was. know Georgia. W. Bush said the uh, U.S. Constitution is a goddamn piece of paper. Yes, I understand. But, <laughs> but I mean, uh, to, to, to make such George, an operation... George W. Bush. George W. Bush, what he did after 9-11, if that was Donald Trump... I mean, I, I actually posted about it earlier today. I said, if Donald Trump was president during the time of 9-11-2001 with all of the exact same connections that George W. Bush and his administration had with the military-industrial military complex and, for, and this connection to foreign terrorists, the Democrats would have his head rolled already. But instead, they went along with everything George W. Bush wanted, and here we are 17 years later, you know, talking about, you know, I mean, it's been silly conspiracies at this point because nothing's ever going to get figured out, but life's too short to yeah, not have yeah, fun yeah. And, and question things. Right, right. But, but it, I mean, it is something that it happens so quick. I mean, I, I, I do remember at that time I was in uh, my own beloved country, USA. But the question was, uh, I mean, um, we thought that it's just uh, they're maybe sh showing it. Because the, the movie was going to make at the same time, uh, in, during that time that uh, Twin Towers were attacked. I I mean, for some reason, I thought if this is a movie or something, and then they keep saying, no, 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 is this I mean, I watch it more, and I, it took me like a 15 minutes to sort it out to see, and I keep changing channels. I said, this issue, what the hell is happening? I mean, I couldn't believe it. So you were watching it live? But yeah, I was watching it live. But the question is, I, I mean, I could, at that, it was morning time, and... Something. I mean, either I said, "Am I seeing a dream, or am I is 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 uh, is this real, or is this just the attacking? Maybe what would happen if this thing happened?" And kind of the mock. I mean, I thought it was like a, a Hollywood movie. They're putting it on. Or it was, a, it it was a very surreal it, moment. It, like, big your I said it was a very surreal moment, a watershed moment for our world. It was crazy. Right. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Then I uh, kind of, I woke up and, you know, and uh, yes, indeed. But, you know, if, 
I mean, if you shift your car forward, it goes forward. And if you shift your car backward, it goes backward. Mm -hmm. So, so basically, I mean, we can, you know, kind of come, anything is possible. Anything is possible. But, it's, well, so, okay, again, I, I will concede uh, to that. I, I will I will concede to the point possible and the complete original narrative that was given to us about 19 mammoth box cutters hijacking four planes and crashing them into buildings is true. There's most definitely the possibility that all of that is true. But there is so many questions, holes, and un, unvetted investigations. Like, we... The, the 9-11 investigation was, if it happened in modern day, it would be last It would be last on all of our late-night shows. It would be last out of all of our, our, our liberal newspapers, the kind of investigation. I, just, I always compare it to Trump. If Trump was president during 9-11, and he conducted the kind of investigation that had happened, where him and Mike Pence go speak about 9-11, not under oath, not taped, un- we will never be able to see it, and they went together. They wanted to be se- they, the investigators wanted to go separately, but they refused. I mean, if Trump did that, oh my goodness. Like, I remember when all this was happening, and I was becoming a more and more and more conspiratorial about it. I wasn't really big conspiratorial until 2005 when I watched Loose Change, but prior to that, I was just, I, I just couldn't believe the lack of investigation. I, I always wondered how is it that they knew right away? How is it that passports survived this this wreckage, but eight, seven of the eight black boxes didn't? Like they got nothing from those black boxes that could withstand an immense amount more than you know passports, which is made of paper. I don't know. Uh, Mike. There's, yeah. there's a there's a lot there's a lot going on with this conspiracy, don't you think? I mean. Uh, absolutely, you know, uh, we can always see both sides of the coin. Either it's a head or it's a tail, you know. And well, I think it could be. I think on, on this particular one, it's a little bit of both. I think I, I don't, I'm not going to go as far. And there's a lot of weird conspiracies out there. Like people don't even think there were planes used. Like people think that it was all like CGI, like the most videotaped event in history the second tower being hit by a plane. And people actually think that all of those videos were manufactured. Do you believe that? Isn't that crazy? Yes. I mean, uh, you know that there was a UFO over the uh, Twin Towers when it was uh, hit. I watched uh, that. I I saw a video like that. Do you believe that? I mean, I strongly believe that UFOs you know, took 3,000 people out because, you know why? Because they haven't any find any bones anywhere in in, in the, you know, uh, you know, after the Twin Towers came down. I mean, I, at least you should be able to find something, you know, but I don't see that. Uh, I can't, you, I, you know, this, I is the first time, this would be the first time I've ever heard that they never were able to find any bones. That being said, they found molten steel underneath like seven stories below the basement of the Twin Towers five to six weeks after molten steel still burning. So but I mean, five, 
five to six weeks later. Later, see, yeah. It, yeah, again, those could be very well, you know, uh, manufactured. You know, it's easy. Maybe it was a cows or I mean I don't know what you can you can go they, that way that way too. They found, but but to me this is it's is is hold on, like, hold on. I, I want I want I just want I want to mention that they also found molten steel under building seven which did not get hit by a plane. So explain that one. I could I get to the whole molten steel under two buildings that had two planes full of of you know of fuel in there you know I mean it's disputable of how much fuel burned up in the actual onset of the explosion, but there was no plane that hit Building Seven. There should be no molten steel under there. There was no fires hot enough that what like you're burning books and tables and chairs and computers and carpet. There's nothing in that building. Sorry, I, I go on a rant. Building Seven is like my biggest smoking gun. It's it's what triggers me the most. When it comes to the I mean, we had a BBC reporter. We had a BBC reporter that sh- uh, showing <laughs> building building seven is going down. I mean, live on the air. I mean. Oh, I know. Uh, I mean, yeah. I read it. I read a, a story debunking that, and I'm not really too convinced about the BBC one because I think that journalists tend to jump the gun at times, and I think stories may have been mixed up. I I don't know, but that one is weird. That one is weird because yeah. they said that they said the building dropped about nine minutes before it actually dropped, and that building sat in the backdrop of that report for nine whole minutes before it dropped. <laughs> so yeah. I, I understand I, I where understand. that conspiracy is coming. It is, a, you know, it is, uh, it is like a UFO stories. You know, uh, we know aliens exist. There is no problem with that because we are not the only uh, Anunnaki's when they came and. Put us into this planet and uh, etc. But the question is, we know we are not the only intelligent uh, uh, people because we uh, why we keep uh, sending a satellite uh, inside, going pretty much very closest to the sun right now, and then we have, we have sent another satellite. I mean, uh, another uh, man uh, unmanned. Uh, you know, um, uh, um, Apollo, oh, well, Mike. going to Mike from, Mars. Mike from Singapore what? here. You, you have you have taken us in the first twenty minutes of the show into space <laughs> and into the alien conspiracy of the UFOs hovering above the World Trade Center on nine eleven. I want to thank you for the call. I want I want to get um, started on uh, some of my preparation that I've made today for. Uh, the events that have happened, a lot of these conspiracies, Mike. I do appreciate you calling. Um, I can just put you on hold, and I can get back to you when, yeah, we're, that's when fine. we're talking about some other topics. Perfect, right? Thank you, Mike. Sure, I appreciate you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so yeah, barely 20 minutes into this show, and we are talking about aliens and space <laughs> and the alien conspiracy in 11. See, I wasn't even prepped for that. I was not prepared to talk about aliens, but that's that's a that was a good phone call. And there is so much to get to. Uh, once again, you're listening to the Triggered and Divided podcast. We are live every Tuesday. Our phone number is 646-668-2950. In today's show, we are going over the 9-11 conspiracy. Oh, it's so much to talk about. So much to talk about. And I want people to call in and tell me where you were, how you found out. I don't just want to talk about the conspiracies. 
I want to talk about the stories. You know, I think that is very interesting, and the people love to talk about where they were, you know, and and how they were feeling. And and for me, I you know, I have a two two main stories for me of how I found out about 9/11, and then when I became an actual 9/11 conspiracy theorist or truther, if you want to be a dick about it. I have I am on September 10th, 2001. I tripped balls that night. I took probably about four grams of mushrooms. The Next day, I was late for work. I had slept in. I had to be at, at Papa Murphy's to open at 8 o'clock. And I woke up at 8.45. And we got to remember, 2001, you know, I didn't have the Internet. Not yet, at least. I mean, I, not in my house. I was I was just – I was being crazy. I was 19 years old. I didn't have time to be fucking around with the Internet like these kids today. You know, I was running around doing crazy shit. So I didn't even have a cell phone. So I ran to work. I literally ran to work, and I even stopped at a a uh, loaf and jug, Pueblo, Colorado. I stopped at a loaf and jug, bought a Red Bull, and I think like a sausage biscuit or something. And no one said anything. I didn't, you know. So I, I had no idea. I really didn't know anything until about nine fifteen, which is about eleven eleven fifteen Eastern time. So well after everything is all done and the attacks are over, I walk into Papa Murphy's, sweating, so sorry, because it was probably like the 10th time I was late that year, because I was just doing so much drugs, and my boss tells me, the first thing she says is, Bobby, everything you ever wanted to happen is happening, and I was like, what the hell are you talking about, and she tells me that a bomb hit the Pentagon, and the World Trade Centers don't exist anymore, and they hijacked a bunch of planes. I actually didn't believe her. Um, I'd say for the about for the first hour I was at work uh, of knowing about 9/11, I was in complete utter denial. Didn't think it happened. Not at all. Like I thought that uh, I thought I was getting fucked with. I thought that it was just a joke. <laughs> the first customer comes in, and it's this dude with like a, I don't even know what kind of hat he was wearing. It was like one of those. Like, who's the guy in the Looney Tunes, the, the, the pirate guy? Anyways, he's wearing some crazy hat, comes on in and starts ranting about how we're in F5, FCON 5, this is the end. And I was like, holy shit, this is really happening. And I was listening to 94.3 Kilo, and they butted in every now and then from in between, in between songs and were telling everybody about, what, you know, the, the, updating everybody about what was going on. And I just couldn't believe it. I didn't get a break, a lunch break, until about 2 o'clock. And I went over to my boss's home, who happened to be across the street, and I turned on the TV, and the first scene that I saw was that cloud coming down from, I'm not sure if it was the first or the second tower, but that cloud chasing people, and people running, just frightened out of their minds. And that was my first image that I ever saw of 9-11. And it's been ingrained in my head ever since. My friend Nick picked me up from work that day. We went and got gas. And that was the longest line that I have ever sat in, in a car to get gas before my life. It was insane. We sat in the street for a little bit. That's how long the line was. I get home. It's sundown. It's sundown. And we called up our weed dealer, Hippie, and he came over, saw that we had our American flag upside down, graffiti on, poetry and art written on it. We were, I mean, I lived with punk rockers and, and anarchists and 
And we had that flag upside down. I think it was on the floor, actually. And Hippie said, no, I'm not going to sell you any weed. Fuck that, you know. You take that flag. What the fuck's up with that flag? And, oh, my God, I was just, you know, I'm in my rebellious days. But even then, I was just like, I want my weed. So I was like, it's just art. We're just, you know, it was just art. This is before all this happened, you know. We're, we love America. Just just, just give us our weed. He sold us the bag, but, yeah. I, we we should have maybe just hit that flag maybe on, on September 11th, but we didn't know the, the gravity of that moment. You know, we didn't know the levity of what was going on at that time. Uh, but I, uh, so that's my, that's when I became, that's when I found out that 9-11 happened. I became a truther four years later when a good friend of mine, Raul San Miguel, came over to smoke weed with me. And I was living in Denver by then. <clears throat> and he brought over a DVD. <clears throat> he had a backpack. He was a DJ. He is a DJ. He brought his backpack over, had a bunch of DVDs. He said, you have to watch this DVD. And I was like, what DVD is this? And he said, it's called Loose Change. It's about 9-11 and how George Bush might have something to do with it. And I'm like, I don't fucking want to watch this. Like, I, at, that, at that point, I, I didn't trust my government. I definitely was more of a libertarian and a bit of an anarchist. But I wasn't, like, on that conspiracy level. I didn't give a shit. I, I never read anything about Kennedy at that point. I... I Still think we landed on the moon. Maybe we didn't. I don't give a shit. But anyways, I didn't. We didn't have a DVD player, so we pop it in to um, my roommate's computer, and we sat around and watched Loose Chains on a computer screen for an hour and five minutes. That basically was a paradigm shift in my life. Changed my life. I watched that. Changed everything. I could not believe that our government could potentially have anything to do with the 9-11 attacks. It was Muslims. It was it was Osama bin Laden, right? You know? And then that started basically a, what is it, 2005? So I would say about a four-year obsession where I protested alongside Alex Jones. I have had personal conversations with Alex Jones. I've had Chris Matthews flip me off, flip a, a whole group of us off for going in behind one of his uh, broadcasts booths and interrupting it by telling him that 9-11 was an inside job. I've been on many marches. I have helped create marches here in Denver, Colorado. I've been on marches in Tampa. I've been on marches in Pueblo. And I've been on marches in New York, um, all regarding 9-11. And for the last, I'd say, five years, I've just been tired of it. Pretty quiet about it, actually. Just didn't want to talk about it because... One, it's just a whole, it's a hard conversation to have with someone that doesn't know anything about it or doesn't want to know anything about it. But this past year of internet censorship of conspiracy theorists has kind of re-boosted my enthusiasm about wanting to talk about 9-11 again and about wanting to paint a more um, bright picture on these questions that we're, we're supposed to be able to ask. You know, is this podcast something that's dangerous in one more year? We, I mean, I'm already banned from Twitter. I mean, I'm going to be banned next from, from Facebook. But I mean, without these out, outlets, without these social media outlets, I have no way of getting this podcast out to you, at least not on a mass level. You know, typically we have hundreds of listens every single podcast. If I were not to have the social media outlets to publish this and advertise it on my own, I mean, we're not even allowed to advertise on Facebook anymore, so I have to be creative with it. But if I didn't have those outlets, how the hell am I supposed to get this out? 
so I think it's important today that we, we talk about why it's important to talk about conspiracy theories and to really just never stop talking about conspiracy theories. Uh, so we have a caller from the 719. You called the Triggered and Divided Show. How are we doing today? Sorry to keep you on hold for so long. No, it's no problem. No, Steve, how are How's you doing, it going, today? guys? I'm I'm doing all right. Are Are you crying, Bobby? I'm not crying. Although I am now three shots deep, a couple of hit skis with some sour diesel. So, oh, it was a hard day at work, and I prepared. I I, I did so much preparation for the show that I'm exhausted. <laughs> I yeah, almost just it sounds like to you're getting like show. a little bit of a cold or something. You're like maybe a little stuffy. I am. So I do apologize. I actually do have a little bit of a cold. I woke up this morning, just blowing my nose. It's just, it's all pretty clear. Did you say so you're three shots deep? Did you are you did you shots of alcohol? Yes. Yes. Just a little bit of vodka. Well, shit, man. We might be able to hear you cry if you take a few more. <laughs> you just have to knock the edge off a little bit, you know, before talking about such mm. crazy topics such as nine eleven. You know? Well, I mean, it's been a it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Everybody everybody remembers where they were in nine eleven. I I heard like three conversations today about where were you when you, at nine eleven. I was I was taking a class to for asbestos removal. I just got home, but the instructor at like he asked everybody in the class where were you. So. It's one of those watershed moments in these last couple generations. Like, where were you when Pearl Harbor happened? You know, 9 11 is our Pearl Harbor. That was, that just changed the whole, uh, all of American society. I mean, before that happened, you know, people, people didn't really like, people weren't really caring too much about politics or about the country. I mean, I'm sure there was, of course, people that did care, but. It wasn't the fervor wasn't there, man. And ugh, in the months afterwards, there was an American flag on every in front of every door. There was every bumper sticker "United We Stand." Oh man, it was just. Oh, I remember. It, it changed. It changed our country for sure. And and then, like it really, uh, it really made a lot of us outcasts. It really like highlighted that we were outcasts or. It really, uh, it really changed a lot of people's views on uh, the counterculture, and and it, right. I think it really, uh, it really furthered the divide between what I guess normal people and and people who questioned, you know, the goings on of of our government or our society. Well, I'm thankful that really? 9-11 didn't happen during, like, today. Like, during, like, the, the era of social media. I mean, you talk about division. When events like 9-11 happened, it did divide a lot of people. But if we had the vitriol effect of the social media campaigns going on, gosh, I can imagine it would have been ten times worse. You know, like, yeah, nowadays, I mean, like, back then, we were... if you question the narrative, you're, you're, you're a terrorist. Now, if you don't, I mean, or if you don't question that the president's a fucking a terrorist, you're the terrorist. It's like, it's kind of backwards now. Like where back then you weren't allowed to question the president, but now you're 
question if you don't question the president. You know, so it's it's it's, a, it's weird. Yeah, I don't know. I guess <laughs> I care so little about politics. Like, like to me, that was just that was like the icing on the cake. It was like, well. Now they've really like proved everything that I believe is true, and there's nobody that's gonna believe what I say at this point. So I'm just like I I really I think I think at that point I started caring a lot less about politics, and I, I think uh, when I moved up to Denver and we lived together for a minute, like back in what was it 2006 and 2007, I, I think you like. You you got me going a little bit. I mean, there was months where we walked around. At both of us, everywhere we walked, we carried signs that said, uh, "What like nine eleven was an inside job." And then on the other side yeah, of the, job, the sign, it said, "I had the bus knocked down, down, down the towers." Yep. Yeah, I got I got I got pulled over. Walking we were handing out like loose March change DVDs. I mean, how many how many DVDs did you make? We were we were passing them out. Oh, oh, I mean, probably is, hundreds of DVDs. That's, what, and that's we where would, we're going. We'd like, walk up 16th Street Mall and, and pass them out to people. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's and, where we're going back again. We we have to have physical physical DVDs to show people because like people like Alex Jones, who's now banned from Twitter and the Apple App Store, you can't even download his app anymore. Like he's like we're 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 now on the cup cupitus of one person singularly singularity being eliminated from the internet, period. That's never happened before. It's fucking crazy. It's fucking crazy. But hey, uh, let me put I mean, you on hold, Steve. I have another caller calling from the three and I'll get I'll get right back to you, Steve. Actually I'm gonna you know, cool. Steve, I'm gonna keep you I'm gonna keep you on the on on the mic so you can talk with us. Calling from the three oh seven. Calling to the Trigger and Divided show. Who we got calling today? Hey, it's Bruce. Hey, hey, what's going on? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. How you doing? Doing good. Good to hear your voice, man. It's been a while since you've called in. Yeah, it's um, it's been a rocky road for a while, but uh, I'm doing all right. Well, good, good, good. Well, here, we're here talking about 9/11. We're talking yeah. about the conspiracies and the and where we were and what we felt and and you know what? I want to play a clip for you about someone who predicted this whole thing. Someone who is a hero to mine. And he also thinks, uh, you know, we're making the frogs gay. And I'm so glad uh, that you could join us today for this Wednesday, July 25th, 2001 broadcast. Tyranny is enveloping the globe. And the United States is a shining jewel the globalists want to bring down. And they will use terrorism as the pretext to get it done. So that's coming up in the second half of the show. Very important Information. I'm going to put the call out that you call the White House and tell them, look, we've seen the news stories that you've wanted to blow things up, that you have blown things up, and that you're saying that four million of us are going to die and we need martial law and the Associated Press at one of your little drills you had, and that we're aware of who the terrorists are if you pull this. This can stop this Hitlerian Reichstag event. I want to put the toll-free number up for Congress. And I won't want you to believe Alex Jones. I want you to go get these news stories off my website. I want you to call these major newspapers. I want you to find out these statements were true by the White House about preparing for martial law. 
And I want you to let them know that if there is any terrorism, we know who to blame. The point is, if any terrorism comes, it's from this government. And if there was an outside threat like a bin Laden, who was a known CIA asset in the 80s, running the Mujahideen War, and whose family builds all the military bases over in Saudi Arabia right now, and sits on the board of Iridium Satellite, he's the boogeyman they need in this Orwellian phony system. So that was Alex Jones a month and a half before 9-11 calling out the United States government <laughs> about yeah. doing a terrorist attack and blaming bin Laden. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's, I mean, there's no surprise there. You know, he, he's been on it for a long time, though. See, and you that's know. the theory, is that, that Alex Jones is actually part of the CIA. <laughs> he's just a... He's just one of these guys out here just riling up and stirring the pot. And if he's that's what he's out there to do, he's doing a fucking good job at it. But I don't think he is with the internet systematically erasing him from existence. So that theory no, is done that going. for a long time against him too. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's I've seen, you know, I've there's been plenty of times that he's thrown things out on Facebook that mysteriously were flagged and gone within a couple of days, you know. Facebook's done it to oh, him. Well, there's just, dick, there's just under- dickheads out there that do that all the time. Yeah, and I was going to say, I'd, from what I understand, um, he's got like, his uh, podcast is like gone. Um, so, well, the, the App Store, the Apple App Store eliminated his app, so you can no longer download it. Yeah. The only way that, yeah. so now the, the next step, the next step would be is for internet providers to be like, nah, we don't want that website URL on our our servers or whatever. However, they want to decide yeah, that. It, we we're getting really though. close for, yeah, we're yeah. getting real close for him being the literal like first person banned from the internet. You know, it's like Fahrenheit. Uh, what is it? Fahrenheit four eleven or four five whatever. Fuck that book. Four fifty one. Yeah. yeah, you know they banned they banned the books, and now what are they doing? I mean, what's the the new version of a book is online content. Right. And when you ban the online content, right. and, I mean, you have to have an online presence in order to be able to have a voice. Otherwise, you literally have zero voice. Well, and, I mean... You know, Alex Jones predicted it. And look at him now. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> look at him now! Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Oh, where, that, where, where that are you, Bruce? Where... What's up? Where were you, Bruce, when when uh when nine eleven happened? Like, how'd you find out? Oh, I know exactly where I was. Um, we were building. I was I was thirteen. Um, we were building derby cars. Um, we had been building derby cars to race like the little CO two ones. You know, you'd mm-hmm. puncture the yeah. little CO two cartridges and they race down the string. You know. Yeah, we've been building those for shop class, and I went in early to school. I went in early, and um, I was in teacher's name was Mister McLeod, and um, he was my shop teacher, and uh, he was always there like fucking super early anyway. So I went in early, and um, my dad dropped me off the back door, and uh, I walked into the shop class. We had the TV going, and I remember we were watching GMA. And um, they were just showing, initially it was just building one. 
was on fire and they were like, oh, you know, fucking plane crash. And we were watching it and I was working on the derby car and shit and we were kind of looking up and me and him happened to both be kind of looking up at the screen and the second plane came into view of the camera and it fucking hit. Bang. It blew up. And me and Mr. McLeod just kind of stood there for about three seconds. And he just looked down at me, and I looked at him, and he was a big guy. He's like 6'5". And I was all 13 years old, and I was probably 5'5", you know. <laughs> he looks down at me, and he, he looks down at me, and he just goes, well, shit. I just looked at him, and I was like, I looked at him, and I just... You know, I, I, you know, I just shook my head and I was like, and he just goes, well, looks like we'll probably be going to war over this one. And I said, I said, yeah, he said, this looks like some kind of attack. So that's, that's pretty awful, man. He's like, yeah, well, he goes, glad we live in this small town. They probably won't do nothing to us. And I said, yeah, you know. That's kind of how that went, man. Man, I can't imagine you know. being a thirteen-year-old watching like the craziest event of the last what I'd say almost a hundred years at this point. Eh, not a hundred years since since Pearl Harbor, like seventy years. Yeah, you know, yeah, for sure. Well, and then then again, though, I mean, Pearl Harbor wasn't on TV. I mean, it was somewhat, but. It was more in newspapers. There were pictures of it. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. There are probably some people that you didn't know, know about Pearl Harbor for days. Well, I mean, there was people that knew about it, I mean, the day after, because there was a lot of prints going out, you know, the oh, New York, you know, New York Times, things like that. But if you worked, but if you worked in, but if you worked in some small town in Wyoming, and you would have oh, yeah, you know, Roosevelt speech on the radio. Days. Yeah. Roosevelt speech on the radio, you know, Too. stuff like sure, that. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, but no one was but watching I mean, it. it you're right. No one was watching it live, you know. Uh, I, you know, I was watching it live in color, in action. I just remember fucking, um, uh, what was his name? Um, uh, damn it, I can't remember. Uh, Peter, um, what the hell is Peter his Jennings? last name? Yeah, Peter Jennings and Diane Sawyer just like looking at each other like uh <laughs> Oh yeah, you're not you don't hey, you're, you're not really uh you're not taught in college in journalism school how to deal with a once in a lifetime chaotic terrorist attack like that. Right, right. And it, but, and it was just um it was it was something to see, you know, that's for sure. It really was. We all we all had to watch it over and over and over again. For what was it like a month? Every channel it was just on repeat. Well, I put I put myself I put myself through years of it. I mean, Steve knows I watched over and over and over again. There isn't a single nine eleven documentary made that I have not watched. I can guarantee you that. That's how obsessed right. I became. It was yeah, it was almost like a disease, but. It was I mean, for a lot of people, though. I know. Oh, I know. And I was around a lot it, of those people. It seems like <laughs> yeah. it was, though. Every single channel, I mean, like Nickelodeon, it was on repeat. 
for like weeks. I remember when Linda Ellerby had the special with the kids or they talked about 9-11. That Ugh. lady with the fucking bowl cut hair. <laughs> Yeah. I remember that. Uh, yeah, I that think with the most, else. I think the sick, the sickest thing that they do. And I'm not sure if they do it anymore, but I know that they did it a few years ago. They were still doing it, where MSNBC, Fox News, and CNN would p- replay like the three hours of the morning of 9/11 as is. Like, oh yeah, so they, they, yeah. Isn't that just the most disgusting thing? Like. You wake up, like, you, you know, you lost your dad or you lost your wife. It's 2009 or something. You turn on CNN the morning of, you forget. I don't know. And, and all of a sudden it's replaying that horror, like, as it as it's happening. It's disgusting. It's, it really is. Yeah, that was... It's like, it's, it's, like, it's murder snuff. That's what it is, you know. <laughs> yeah, murder porn. Murder, murder so, porn. Murder but porn? I, I want to put... Yeah. I want to put you out, you know, on hold. I'm going to play a clip from George W. Bush denouncing conspiracy theories uh, uh, right after 9-11. Let us never tolerate outrageous conspiracy theories concerning the attacks of September the 11th. Malicious lies that attempt to shift the blame away from the terrorists themselves. Away from the guilty. So that was George W. Bush, and this was that he said that long before I ever even had a conspiratorial thought in my brain about 9/11. And after I watched that clip, after I watched that loose change, I was like, "Wow, he was really getting ahead of the curve. <laughs> he must have knew right away to try to just lessen and lower the voices of the of the dissent, the dissentful." But I think we have a, another caller from 808 who has been patiently on hold for quite some time. You have called to the Triggered and Divided podcast. Who we got calling today? Hey, what's up, Bobby? Danny. Danny Richard. Uh, okay, I can't say your name. How's it going, Danny? How you doing? Oh, you're good, man. I'm doing good, man. How are you? Doing, doing good. Doing good. I have Danny and Steve on the line at the same time. And I believe I was hey, Danny, how you doing, man? I thought say that it happened. What's up, Steve? Hey, Mr. Marine, how are you doing, man? Doing good, dude. Yeah. Good to hear your voice again. Yep. So, Bobby. Sir. So, remember we had that conversation about a week ago, and I was asking you just basic questions about how many people you think knew the third tower fell? Yeah, we, I remember talking about that. I wish, wish I took a real good poll about that today, but it did. What, what, do, what do you got on I've, that? I've spent the last week doing a poll about it. I've done about 550 people and about three people out of the 550. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, I mean that's where we're at. I, I think you're so ensconced with all the evidence that's out there that you don't even know what the mass public is even eating up. So you're trying to tell me that three out of 550 people you asked. Ish, and most of them were between the ages of 18 and 30. Wow. How did you frame the question? I asked them how many towers fell on, on, on 9-11. How many, how many towers went down? Everybody oh, that's an easy question. Yeah. Wow. Straight up easy question, right? 
And then a few crazy. people backtracked and said, oh, yeah, yeah, the third one that the other two brought down was fire. But... Wow. I even well, I'm sure that, that, that wasn't that, that, wasn't that all... Uh... That probably wasn't at all surprising to you, I'm sure. No, it wasn't. I figured that'd be a good. This would be a good place to bring that up, though. It's embarrassing. But I, well, and here's the thing: is we're already on the brink of getting, um, getting into the Orwell stuff, where where we're going to be banned from getting this information out. And we're already mm-hmm. far behind the power curve, and everybody that was there that remembers this shit, and I, I would venture to guess that most of the people that believe what truth is out there, we're around for, like, the Clinton and the Reagan years. You know what I mean? That that they could smell what's in the water. But the younger people, well, not so much. The younger people are so deluded with all the crap that's on the Internet. You know, and, I, and I'm yeah. guilty. I, I, partake, I partake in the bullshit. But there's... I have a lot of fun. <laughs> there's so many other distractions. You know, to, to try and convince anyone under the age of 30 today about... 9/11. I mean, I would have to. I would have to hope that they don't even understand basic facts, which I don't even know if they do. Like, right. Such as such as three buildings. And do they even know about the Shanksville plane? Do they know how it how it how it fell? You know, what I mean, do they know just simple facts? And so I know I'm going deep into like really, really, really weird random conspiracies. And I guess I guess the point of this would be like maybe I'm underestimating or overestimating how much people know. I don't know. Because I always thought I have to I have to like I have to gauge how much people care versus how much they know. Because if I can get them to care that's, that's where the knowing, that's, that's the big uh, yeah, the easy that's part. the big thing right there. Yeah. How much yeah. they care. I don't know how much they care. But I, but I do want to take this moment um, to let everyone know that it is while it is September 11th, and we are recognizing 9/11. September 11th isn't the uh, uh, the, only, the only holiday. The only holiday. The only terrorist act happening on September 11th. And like you, are you driving, Danny? Oh uh, no, my buddy Stevens. Oh, we're talking about plane. I'm just going to put you on hold for just a second just for all that feedback. Um, but, yeah, 9-11-2001 isn't the only terrible thing that has happened on September 11th. I mean, obviously, Benghazi in 2012. Um, in 1991, George W. Bush, George H. W. Bush, actually had the famous NWO speech uh, of saying that we need a new, a new world order, and I'll play that clip later on. In 1973, there was a coup against Chile's socialist president, Salvador Allende. And that's when we actually went and combined with the CIA, helped militants kill Allende to stave off a people movement alliance with Castro and Cuba. And the U.S. actually backed military plotters effectively when they effectively took over um, Chile. And that happened on September 11, 1973. So it's not the only crazy thing that's happened. It's a, it's a, weird, it's a weird day in history, really. It's a weird day in history. You know, I, I will actually find that New World Order clip because it really is kind of creepy. And I'm sure everyone who is familiar with 9-11 and the conspiracies, um, I think that most people have, have heard this particular clip. But I'm going to go ahead and play it. This is, I believe, in 1991 after the first Iraqi invasion from Daddy Bush. 
of its founders. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order, a world where the rule of law, not the law of the jungle, governs the conduct of nations. When we are successful, and we will be, we have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. So I want to go to Bruce. Bruce, what do you think, what, what, what does the new world order mean to you? Um, I would have to say that it's basically, it's, it's exactly, I mean, it's exactly as John Kennedy put it back in the day when he was talking about, you know, when he was talking about just a tyrannical, he, you know, when he said that there's, there's just an octopus-like tentacles yep, stretching around speech. the world that are just, tr- yeah. And you know what? Three months after he gave that speech, he was murdered. Right. And 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 uh you know, that's that's how I see it. It's just that's how it is. It's just slowly creeping and just you know, just wrapping its wrapping its tentacles around everything and and anything it can get its its grip on. And it, and that's scary. That's a scary thought. You know, I was listening to what Dan was Thanks saying for about buddy. about the three buildings. Uh-huh. And um that's really sad. But you know, he talks about that and he was saying it was like people between eighteen and thirty, but it's like shit, man. Like what's even worse is like you know, there you'd be even way, way, way hard pressed to find anybody between that age that knows about stuff like you know, like the Indira Singh interview, the lady from JP Morgan Chase. Oh, let's not even get started with that. I, see, and I didn't even come prepared with that. I didn't come prepared with anything like that or P-Tech or anything like that. Yeah, 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 the P-Tech stuff, that's, you know, that stuff was epic. You know, I still I mean, have... That's, maybe, that's the deep that, stuff. I have that entire four-hour interview on two separate discs, you know, I still, like, that That was just incredible, you know. And it's like, it's, that's going to be fucking paper in the wind, man. And it's just so sad because you know, I, well, I don't know. Talk, let's talk a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, what happened before 9-11? Like, how did two buildings fall? I mean, there had to have been, I mean, the interview you were just talking about, I mean, there had to have been a, yeah. a, huge, secure, a huge security breach a lot of inside shit going on and it had to have happened prior to the attack. Not like dirt or nothing like that. Right. Prior. Three buildings fell fell, and then two airplanes were vaporized which is the first time that's ever happened in aeronautical history. Oh, I know. (laughs) I know. Like I said, seven and eight black boxes deteriorated. They could not recover them. Yet four pa- paper passports survived. Uh, it's a miracle. It's a fucking miracle. Yeah. I mean, I want to play a clip. Yeah. Um, about I want to play a clip about the World Trade Center and drills that were going on prior to nine eleven. The thing that tripped me out. Go on. 
the thing that tripped me out about P-TECH was that it was that that particular security system was bought from that company, which was Saudi-owned, and it was bought by the FAA. Oh, everybody. The CIA, the CIA, the FBI. Everybody, everybody. Um, everybody, I, you know, everybody he, that was everybody in our, you know, everybody that was government agencies was using that at the time of nine eleven. Yeah, and Dan, the thing Danny is, said that Dan, Danny said that he asked five hundred fifty people about building seven, and three people said they knew. I bet you that that number dwindles down to zero when you ask people about P Tech. Oh yeah, absolutely. I bet you could ask more than a thousand people. More than I bet you could ask five thousand people if they knew about P Tech, and I bet there would be zero. Well, I want to play a clip um, that is from the Loose Change documentary, and it's talking about these mysterious drills that are going on before 9/11 at the World Trade Center, and who is running the entire security program which is fucking crazy. It's about a minute and a half long, so bear with it, but it's a great clip. Hang with me. If there were bombs in the building, how would they get in there without anyone noticing? Ben Fountain, a financial analyst who worked in the World Trade Center, told People Magazine that in the weeks before 9-11, there were numerous unannounced and unusual drills where sections of both the Twin Towers and Building 7 were evacuated for security reasons. Scott Forbes, an employee that worked at Fiduciary Trust in the South Tower, told Victor Thorne of Wing TV that his company was given three weeks advance notice that New York's Port Authority would take out power in the South Tower from the 48th floor up. The reason given was that the Port Authority was performing a cabling upgrade to increase the WTC's computer bandwidth. Forbes stated that a power down had never been initiated prior to this occasion. As a result of having its electricity cut, the World Trade Center's security cameras were rendered inoperative, as were its ID systems and elevators to the upper floors. There were plenty of engineers going in and out of the World Trade Center who had free access throughout the building due to its security system being knocked out. Also, video cameras on top of the World Trade Center, which were used to feed daily images to local TV stations, were strangely inoperative on September 11th. Daria Cord, a guard in the North Tower, told Newsday that security detail was working 12-hour shifts for two weeks before 9-11. But on Thursday the 6th, bomb-sniffing dogs were abruptly removed from the building. So who authorized all this? President Bush's brother, Marvin, is a principal at Securicom, a company that provides security for United Airlines, Dulles International Airport, and from the early 1990s up to 9-11, the World Trade Center. So it sounds like a crazy Donald Trump conspiracy where his brother and his son are, are part of this and that. And, uh, but, like, George W. Bush's brother really was head of security of the World Trade Center when that happened. And it does take, in, in the era of 20, 2001, it does take about a week, a week or two to really prepare the kind of, like, demolitions, demolition materials that you need in a building for that kind of building to go down. At least that's what I've read. And what I have learned, so it, it, is, it is weird that you know unprecedented power outages and cameras being off in the World Trade Center happened just a week before nine eleven. No, no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's it's pretty fucking crazy, actually. 
it's pretty pretty, pretty crazy. I, mean, I actually never really talk about that as much, but these past few days, I've watched several documentaries. I actually watched uh, Alex Jones's Road to Tyranny, the 9/11 Road to Tyranny, for the first time in fucking like 15 years. And it's a three-hour excruciating documentary. By the way, it's it's just painful. It's just painful. But it has so much information that I'm not even sure like the the common day millennial could even comprehend half the shit that Alex Jones is spinning. <laughs> I really don't. Yeah. I hate to say that about about millennials, but like there's just so much that went on prior prior to nine eleven. Like, did you guys ever hear about the put option stocks? The the put option stocks? Oh yeah. I mean, no, they, I, I, no, I read that like. Well, you know who talked about that? Who had talked about that was um, Aaron Russo talked about that before he had passed away. Oh, Aaron, rest, rest in peace, rest in peace. Yeah, yeah uh, Aaron Russo had talked about that. Um, how um, Nelson Rockefeller had stuff on. Uh, he had uh, his fingers in that and. Uh, can't remember the other guy. He had a well. I I always wondered why. And I, I'm going to play a clip here in a minute about these put options. But I always wondered why we know about these put options. And for anyone that doesn't know, a put option is it's, oh, it's put set options up like about the stock market. Yeah, instead of traditionally going to the stock market and putting money on a business succeeding, a put option is putting money and betting on a business failing. And there were a record amount of put options on September 11th on United Airlines, American Airlines. Yeah. Um, it, was just, it was on the days options. leading up to it, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 It was within. It was I don't just, understand yeah, it was those. Within like five or six days. Yeah. Why can't we? Why can't we ever find out who did that? I didn't understand. I didn't. I never knew that Wall Street. Like you could never tell who was buying what or selling what. I thought that was all transparent. I guess I'm wrong on that. Uh, I don't know. Well, that's part of the thing with Russo was he was he was actually brushing shoulders with people like Nelson Rockefeller and had gone and like golfing and hung out with them and was talking about how Nelson Rockefeller had his fingers in put options in World Trade Center or in the the United Airlines and shit like that. So you think Rockefeller um, knew? Fuck yeah. <laughs> but what's also um Cheney's um Cheney's extended family also had fingers in the put options in the airline companies too at that time. Because the penguins well, don't play. Well, for anyone that is rather unfamiliar about put options, I'm about to play a clip. Once again, I, I took a lot of my clips from Loose Change. It's a very well-made documentary. But here's a clip about put options, stocks, and their involvement. What many Wall Street analysts believe is that the terrorists made bets that a number of stocks would see their prices fall. They did so by buying what are called puts. If you bet right, the rewards can be huge. The risks are also huge, unless, of course, you know something bad is going to happen to the company you're betting against. This could very well be insider trading at the worst, most horrific, most evil 
use you've ever seen in your entire life. One example, United Airlines. The Thursday before the attack, more than 2,000 contracts betting that the stock would go down were purchased. 90 times more in one day than in three weeks. When the markets reopened, United stock dropped. The price of the contracts soared, and someone may have made a lot of money fast. $180,000 turns into $2.4 million when that plane hits the World Trade Center. It's almost the same story with American Airlines. That's a five-fold increase in the value of what was a $337,000 trade on Monday. All of a sudden becomes what? $1.8 million. And there's much more, including an extraordinarily high number of bets against Morgan Stanley and Martian McLennan, two of the World Trade Center's biggest tenants. Could this be a coincidence? This would be one of the most extraordinary coincidences in the history of mankind if it was a coincidence. <laughs> what about the, the insurance policy? That's, a, that's another big one, the insurance policy on the World Trade Center. Yeah. Oh, the insurance policy. He took out the, the, a new insurance policy in June of 2001, which, you know, we, we can't really assume that was coincidence. I mean, maybe it was, it was probably coincidence. Maybe, maybe not. But then, after the terror, terrorist attacks happened, he tries to, and, and successfully, claims double attack, double insurance mm -hmm. claim. You know, it's pretty incredible. I mean, as far as what happened to Building 7, he might as well have claimed three for fuck's sakes at that point. That's what I was wondering if there was three. And, and not only that, but the insurance policy was well worth over what the actual property value was. Oh, yeah. So, and that's I another mean, conspiracy that the World Trade Center was a dwindling investment with an asbestos issue that was beyond repair and all this other conspiratorial bullshit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, what about uh, the Federal Reserve Bank? Wasn't there like stockpiles of gold in the, in that so, in, in underneath? This is one Was of the conspiracies seven as that well? it's Building Seven, and I can't find anything that can verify that that is actually true. That was always a one of the one of the bigger nine eleven conspiracies when I was younger was that there were trillions of dollars worth of gold that were confiscated outside, out of the building, and, and that's why Building 7 fell. And I actually have a couple of clips that talk about Building 7 that we'll get into a little bit later that really go into what particular agencies' buildings and what, what kind of investigations were going on in Building 7 and why it was important that that building fell. But, yeah, th there was gold allegedly. I don't know, Steve. And we'll never know, you know? I'm just... I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I was just asking the question. But I would like to say, since have... we're talking about, you know, all the things oh. that people have forgotten, I would just like to say, you know, before the World Trade Center, there was the Oklahoma City bombing, which is being erased from our memories. And there was Waco, Texas. And there was Ruby Ridge, Idaho. And, yeah. I mean, most of most of our generation doesn't doesn't really think about Ohio State. But I mean, there's a there's a long history of of these these brutal things that have happened to us, and we just kind of forget about them and grow out just of even thinking them about there. them. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, well, I, I don't want to lose track. Go, but I, put uh, me on well, hold, well, buddy. Well, and I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna put you on hold. I don't want to lose track of what we were just talking about with the 
with with and Steve brought up a good point with the gold missing and the you know these trillions of dollars worth of gold. The day before 9/11, and you 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 probably have seen this, Bruce, but the day before 9/11, on September 10th, 2001, this is an actual quote from Donald fucking Rumsfeld. Defense Donald Rumsfeld declared war, not on foreign terrorists. The adversary is closer to home. It's the Pentagon bureaucracy. He said money wasted by the military poses a serious threat. In fact, it could be said that it's a matter of life and death. Rumsfeld promised change, but the next day, the world changed. And in the rush to fund the war on terrorism, the war on waste seems to have been forgotten. My 03 budget calls for more than $48 billion in new defense spending. More money for the Pentagon when its own auditors admit the military cannot account for 25% of what it already spends. According to some estimates, we cannot track $2.3 trillion in transactions. $2.3 trillion, with a T. That's $8,000 for every man, woman, and child in America. So I did research <laughs> on this story in the last couple of days preparing for the show. And I was hoping that I would probably find a follow-up to that story and that the $2.3 trillion was found and that it was all just a mix-up. I couldn't find anything, Bruce. Nothing. Like, huh. there, there was zilch out there. Like, I think that story got washed after 9-11 and it could never be seen again. Well, I mean, that'd be an easy way to wash it. Oh, of course. That'd be an easy way to wash anything. 9-11, yeah, for sure. I mean, most definitely. That's that's the that's the easiest wash ever. Yeah, when I, I that was one of do my have, bigger you should, gripes. Do you have when the clip of? Do you have the fucking? Do you have the clip of Rumsfeld slipping up and saying that they shot down Flight 93. <laughs> no, but I know that clip. Uh, that's, a, that's the problem. Man, I tried to, I, I prepped for this one. show so hard, but there's so many of them. There's so many good ones. Oh, I know. But I forgot that one, about that, that one. That was so classic. That one was right? funny. Oh, even my the look goodness. On his own, even the look, the look on the face of the dude standing behind him was, the dude standing like, behind what, him looked like. What the fuck did he just like, say? Oh, like, yo, man, the dude, the look on the face behind him was like, yeah, uh, no, man, don't, don't say that shit. Like, I know, I know we've been feeding you pills to keep you awake and stuff, but like, no, can't say that. You can't say that. <laughs> well, 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 speaking of that, let's just jump right into that one real quick. I mean, I think, I believe you're talking about Flight 93, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want to play a clip. I want to play a clip from the Howard Stern show. Um, Howard Stern was on air as 9-11 was happening and in turn then stayed on the air for extra hours. And that's that's how a lot of – there's a really good documentary about the Howard, Howard Stern show on 9-11 and how that's really how a lot of New Yorkers coped with 9-11 for the first four or five hours of the day. Anyways, here's a clip from, from, from the Howard Stern show of a caller calling in about what he saw in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Hey, this is Al, but listen, I live in Somerset, Pennsylvania, just outside of Shanksville. Uh, we heard we heard a, a plane, a low-level plane. Mm. And when we, we heard an explosion, saw uh, smoke coming from the plane in the air, 
and then there was two other planes that passed ah, right over the top. They shot it down. Our plane shot it. I mean, that's Howard oh, Stern right yeah. there. I mean, like, yeah, shot the fucking thing down. Yeah. And that story just kind of, you know, got, it, got swept. Story that I can oh, tell you. I'll tell yeah. it to you off air, but. No, you can <laughs> tell it now. Is it, is, it, is it personal? You don't want to tell it right now? Um, so the yeah, podcast it's, is for. Well, it's, um, it's more of a family matter. <laughs> <laughs> so then why are you bringing it up? On the live podcast. <laughs> uh, it's, well, it's all right. We were we, it hoping to, to hear a juicy story, but oh well. Yeah, no, it has to do with um, it has to do with my dad and where he was at during that day and what he knows about that day. All right. Well, you tell me off air, and then I will um, loosely tell that story. Uh, it wasn't from you. Some other time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 But I would say that um that well, the plane guess, that man, crashed down in Shanksville. I guess we could put it this I mean, way. I guess we could put it this way, you know. I'm Bruce LaRue and nobody technically knows who I am. And I can just That's say my correct. dad cuz you know who that is. Tell the story, Bruce. But Tell the story. My my dad is a chief master sergeant in the Air Force. At the time of 9/11, my dad was in line to take a man's job named Scott Duke. Scott Duke was the man of the hour, the man in charge, the man in control of air traffic control and all the oversight that goes into it at the Pentagon. Okay? Oh, wow. I did not know that. That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah, he was actually in line... For that job Um, Two weeks after 9-11 My dad went out to Washington For about About two weeks And um, Did a little bit of training out there Kind of Mulled some things over with Scott Um, Talked to him about I don't know Quite a few things Um, You know pay and all the different things that that job entailed and uh, Scott was very blunt with him about quite a number of things um, I, my father ended up not taking the job because they were going to pay him they were going to pay him $300,000 a year but in Washington I mean in D.C. that the cost of living out there, the the expenses of all the stuff, you know, it just, I mean, it was more, the amount that he makes, he makes roughly out here, he makes about $150,000 a year doing what he does. And the cost of living out here and making that much money, he's able to buy land and fucking campers and trucks and all sorts of cool shit. So he's like, he ended up turning the job down, but that's not quite all the reason he turned the job down. Later on one night, me and my father were getting drunk together. And I asked him about some of that stuff, about 9-11, those things. Um, He had told me 
you know, he's like, yeah. He's like, you know, they were running those drills. They had been running drills. They had been running these scramble drills for basically no reason at all. And, you know, a lot of the guys were really concerned about why they were doing that. Um, it's like a lot of the guys my, inside the Air Force? The guys, yeah, a lot of the pilots and shit were like, why are we doing this? You know? They were concerned and they were questioning, like, what the fuck it was all about. Well, Scott Duke had told my dad, he was like, and there's something, you know, he's like, you know, we knew something was up, you know. And my dad asked Scott Duke bluntly, you know, well, what happened, you know, you know, what happened with all this? And Scott Duke was like, well, I wasn't in the Pentagon at the time because they basically evacuated a lot of us from those areas. He's like, before the plane hit? And he's like, and he's like, and as far as a lot of, he's like, was this before planes hit the the trade centers too? No, this was before the Pentagon got hit. They had moved a lot of people out of the way that were workers. That were in the building. That were in the Pentagon building. And as far as uh, my so my uh, my father kind of just told him he's like, well, you know what what kind of shit am I getting into? Like, what kind of stuff am I gonna have to know? Like, what kind of things am I gonna have to keep to myself? And you know, like, what the fuck. You know, because he's like, I I don't know if I'm going to want to have stuff. You know, I don't want to. He's like, I don't know if I'm going to be willing to have certain things on my chest, uh, you know, for the rest of my life. You know, and he's like, well, this is is your your dad's thought process. Yeah, this is what he's telling me. Without knowing anything prior to that, without having any prior conspiracy Inclinations, like. I mean, you know, no. And sort of clarify, you know. Yeah, because this was, dude. This was two weeks after nine eleven had happened. The building was still. Oh wow! Okay, okay. It's still. Okay, so it's still burning. Molten steel is still burning underneath the trade center. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, my dad's in the Pentagon. The Pentagon's still got fucking plastic and fucking shit all over it that's all draped over it, you know, where it's fucked up and they're doing, it's still got NTSB walking around, you know, they're in a different part of the building and shit. And, um, so what are the reasons that he didn't join? Well, or they, he didn't take that job yeah. with me. Well, this is, you know, a lot of it had to do with the money thing, like I was saying, but he had asked, he ended up asking Scott, he's like, you know, he's like, what kind of stuff am I going to end up knowing? He's like, well, he's like, if you want to know one thing, he's like, we shot down the plane over Pennsylvania. Shut the fuck up. No, dead serious. And my, my dad said he was like, he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> wow. You know, he's like. Scott Duke was like, you know, he's like, we had to make a decision. He's like, I was in decision-making room when they made that decision. He's like, you know, as head of ATC, you have to make those decisions from time to time. 
He's like, you have to scramble the Jets to do that. He's like, that's your call. You know? I, I, your Air Force I guess is for me, head of the for, air traffic control. For, for me, I, I, I guess I don't understand. I, I guess I understand why they would not tell anyone about the shoot the, the, the shooting down of the plane. What I don't understand is if that actually happened, then the creation of the let's roll narrative is fake. And that's fucked up. Well, I mean... Do you think the let's roll thing actually happened, or was it made up? Um, (laughs) It's hard to tell. I mean, they might have been in the process of trying to fuck up those guys. That could have happened. I mean, it could have been a mixture of both, but I mean, either way... They could have been in the process, but the decision had been made, period. That motherfucking plane wasn't going to make it anywhere other than gone. I always wonder where that plane was heading. Some people say that plane was probably heading to the White House, but I don't know. Um, Yeah, I mean, some people said the White House, some people said Camp David, but I, I don't know. Camp David would have made less sense to me because, I mean, that's a soft target at best. Oh, I know. There's, like, hardly any targets there. I mean, you hit the White House. Well, I mean, even if you hit Camp David, I mean, even if you hit Camp David, the people that go there to seek shelter during terrorism or, you know, fucking acts of war as far as like the president people like that and the vice president and shit like they're underground you're not going to get them you know so that wouldn't make any sense I mean to devastate to devastate the nation's fucking to devastate the nation's symbol of our, our capital like that would be that would be that'd be a stunner right there you know, that's where I think well, we're trying to go with that. I mean, hitting—I mean, hitting the Pentagon was a pretty big stunner all on its own. You know. Yeah. I mean, that was here we have this. Sure. We we have this we have this guy was named Hani Hanyor or something, the Hani Hanyor who took flight lessons in the United States, and when the flight teacher was instructor was interviewed, said that this guy could barely fly. Like a little a, a little jet, let alone a commercial jet, and somehow or another, we're supposed to be made convinced that this guy made a 270 corkscrew diving turn in the Pentagon, descending 7,000 feet in this 270 degree turn, mind you, in about two and a half minutes, going in about 500,000 miles, 500,000 miles, well, but 500,000 miles an hour, 500 miles an hour. I mean, I've talked to like I'm yeah. not a pilot person, and they say that that is a next-to-impossible feat. And that plane was not made to do that kind of maneuver. So, I don't I mean, there's so much about the Pentagon that I don't know. But there's but there, there are many accounts of people who said they saw a plane, Bruce. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe they oh, saw yeah, a plane, maybe they didn't. A lot of people said they saw a plane, you know. A lot of people did say that. You know, I don't yeah. know if I believe in the cruise missile thing just because, I don't know. I don't know. That's a tough one. 
I think that I guess the, the, it might have the been reason a, why. I, I don't know. No, go on. I mean, it could have been. You know, I think if they, I wonder if that. You know, maybe they could have used. I don't know. Maybe they could have used a large drone or some shit. You know, that's why people thought they saw a plane. And that could have easily carried a couple missiles on it, you know? I mean, it was a 16-foot-wide hole in the Pentagon. And yeah, that's the, not, the, it's the, way too the, fucking small for a plane. They, they yeah. didn't find engines and shit, you know? No, the passenger plane is 125 feet wide. And I get that this the, yeah. the, the jet is, is a hollow object going 500 miles an hour into this newly reconstructed part of the Pentagon that was built to withstand such an attack. I understand that a lot of that could basically vaporize and get suctioned into one hole. I, I understand that. But where the wings should have hit, the glass is still intact. There's like there's no burns on the on the outside of this hole at all. Yeah. There's no skid marks on the ground, which means that this well, plane... Well, that engine, you're that, gonna convince, engine you, that they took a picture of doesn't match up to the size of engine that would be on the plane that they said hit it. No, and then you can see footage after the Pentagon got attacked of these people carrying this large something in a blue tarp. And they never showed us what it was and we never got to see what it was afterwards. I mean, I know that's a rather vague comment, but it happened. I saw it my my own eyes. You know, but like I said, yeah. you know, we have this six, 16 foot wide hole that got hit by a 125 foot wide plane and going 500 miles an hour. I mean, that's part of the 9-11 commission report. It was going 500 miles an hour, which means it never slowed down. I have I have heard from pilots saying that if you try to maneuver a dive at that speed, you have to lower your speed to do a dive like that. You will end up free falling down and just crashing into the ground. This is what I've heard professional pilots tell me in person. Yeah. My father in law is a pilot and that that's the only conspiracy he'll he'll bend on is that he does not believe that a pilot with hardly any experience in a seven forty seven, I believe it was, doing a maneuver, you know, a two hundred seventy degree corkscrew diving turn in two and a half minutes is insane. I'm not a pilot. I can't even begin to be like, wow, that's insane. It's crazy. But I've heard pilots and they're like, no, that didn't happen. And if it, I mean, maybe a plane flew, but that part, how did that guy circle? He flew into Washington, D.C. and then does a complete almost, like I said, 270, almost a 360 circle. Like, this is the weirdest thing. Well, I mean, you know, you know, like I said, my father's a chief master sergeant. I mean, he's never been one to lie, and he told me directly. He's like, "Yeah, they shot down that plane over over Pennsylvania." He's That's like, "Fucking you know, crazy!" Like, yeah, I have you, you. Give me chills when you say that because I feel like this is the closest I've ever come to talking with someone who has been this close to anyone that actually knows the real thing that went on, you know? Like, just tell us what well, happened. You know, I mean, damn, you know, just you tell know, us what happened. I, I mean, you know, that's that's basically how it went down, you know? He basically told my father, like, well, we, he's like, if you can handle knowing that we shot down the plane over fucking Pennsylvania, then, you know, then he'd be able to, he'd be able to have this, 
you know, you'd be able to handle this. If that's and, true, if if that one part is true, then I think that the, there's a there was controlled demo, demolitions in the trade centers, and then people automatically their brain goes to the government did it. But what if it really all just was the terrorists, and they really just did just really get one over on us? They were planning this for, for forever, and they they successfully got in our, our our two trade center buildings with the help of P Tech and and whoever else like these these intricate security systems that are I mean that I are think it could Pakistan be a mix. Of, I think it could be a mix of both. You never know. I mean. I can guarantee you that they shot down 93 that we did. That shit's crazy <laughs> to me. I know yeah, that. Yes, that's just crazy to me. I know that for a fact because I heard it straight from the horse's mouth, man. Right? Do you think, George, does, you do you know, think there's, there's footage? There's got to be footage of it somewhere, right? There has to be. Of what? Footage from footage of the plane getting shot down. Footage taken by the pilot. Shanksville? Oh, yeah. By the, oh, yeah. I, you know, I bet. I mean, there has I'm sure to be. it probably exists somewhere. You know, well, either that speaking, or there's speaking of, be a recording of it. Speaking of footage that exists or doesn't exist, I want to play a clip of George W. Bush telling the world how he found out about the first plane flying into the trade centers, which he says he saw the day of. But turns out that that, that video actually didn't exist until the day after. Here's George W. Bush's account of the first plane flying into the trade And you don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to wonder exactly what President George W. Bush knew about the attack and when he knew it. According to the official White House version, it was at this moment in a Florida classroom that Bush learned the second plane had hit the World Trade Center and that the U.S. was under attack. But here's what George Bush himself said almost three months later when asked about September 11th. I had, was sitting outside uh, the, the classroom waiting to go in, and I saw an airplane hit the tower. Of a, of a t, you know, the TV was obviously on, and I, I used to fly myself, and I said, well, there's one terrible pilot. And uh, I said it must have been a horrible accident. But I was whisked off there. I didn't have much time to think about it. Now, wait a minute. Oh, George shit. Bush was told about the second plane while he was inside the classroom. So you just heard him describe seeing the first plane crash on television that day. But that's impossible. No one saw the first plane crash on TV on September the 11th because the videotape of it didn't surface until the next day. So do you think that was just an innocent slip, or do you think that he is just stone cold lying? Like, what, 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 I never understood that. Like, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he was right. talking about seeing things. Like, Just leaves you maybe he was talking about, you know, maybe he was talking about seeing, you know, the banner that said like, plane hits the tower, and he's like, well, that's just terrible pilot. You know, I thought of that. I thought I thought that maybe that's what he meant too. It, you know, it was very specific. You know how he said that he was watching it and then whisked away. He went and whisked away. I watched the whole six-minute video of him getting told of the second tower hit, and him sitting there reading a fucking book upside down, mind you. Like, I'll never forget that that Michael Moore documentary. Mm. 
you know? Yeah, my pet goat. Not, not Michael That's Moore's term, bitch. Yeah, oh, yeah, my <laughs> pet goat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. My pet goat. So, yeah, so that's George Bush. And, you know, and you bring up, a, I, I like that you I like that you think outside of the box and, and, and you know, say, you know, maybe he was just talking about, maybe he was watching it on TV. Maybe that's what he was talking about. And, you know, odds are that's probably what he was talking about, unless he slipped up big time. And there are, there is another video of the first Trade Center getting hit. Because if it was a government conspiracy, guaranteed they have video of that somewhere, right? Not just from the uh, that that French documentary. They they have like the only oh, yeah. what is it? The, 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 yeah, forget the name of that documentary. But I really feel like the biggest smoking gun for me was Building Seven, and that was the third plane, the third building in, yeah, in yeah. downtown Manhattan that fell from uh-huh. a, you know fell from a fire. And so yeah. far, that's only happened. That's only happened three times in My American thing, in world the, history. The, the thing, the thing is, is that the biggest smoking gun with that was the BBC fuck up. See, that I'm just not sold on that. I'm really not. Uh, I'm did play, you see I, the you know, BBC fuck up on that one? I did. Uh, you know what? I, I'm going to play you um, a report. I believe, not a report. Wasn't that- didn't yeah, I'm gonna play an interview. I'm gonna play an interview of. Change? Yeah, they sure do. But I want to play you a, a Dude, clip cause, cause of, they Joe, of Joe Rogan and Rosie O'Donnell talking about it. Because that that yeah, was no, like so, that be, lady on BBC's talking about it, and it's right behind her still. And she's talking oh, about how it just fell. Well, I'm gonna go it's to right Joe Rogan and Rosie O'Donnell talking about Building Seven falling. The Tower 7 one is the weirdest one of all. Because if that, it's, if it's, it, when, you, when you watch that one, that was like, why does that collapse like that? Yeah. Like, it's just strange. And I'm sure you, you've seen the BBC reporter who is speaking on camera, and World Trade Center 7 is behind her, and she says, World Trade Center 7 has just fallen. It has fallen. <laughs> it is the third building, and it's still standing. And yeah. 10 minutes later, Joe... The building fell. Yeah, there's a lot of chaos exactly what you're saying, Bruce. along with any yeah. catastrophic situation like that. And I think a lot of people are scrambling, and there's a lot of miscommunication. And I bet a lot of people were probably saying, if, in fact, it did collapse on its own, the firemen were aware, I bet a lot of people were saying, hey, this thing is going to go. It's going to fall into itself. It, I don't know if that's possible. See, I, I, again, I'm not an architect, but... Maybe it's just such a crappy design that when it catches on fire, it just collapses like but that. But fire has no. never turned concrete into no. rubble in the history well, of the world, right? It does seem ridiculous, yeah. but I'm not smart enough to – I mean, I don't – you know what I mean? Yeah. I'd, I'd be completely stepping out of school if I was arguing that it's impossible for a building to do that. And the idea of it, you know, they all uniformly gave out at the same time and – but it just it really did fall like free fall speed. You know, they had to like have this meeting where they, you know, we've in, we've we've measured the time. It's not free fall speed. Oh, it's one tenth of a second slower than free fall speed. Well, that's nice. That makes me feel comfortable. <laughs> this crazy building just fell. Right. Just like I mean, I know it had it was definitely damaged for sure. It was definitely on fire. But that's all it takes. No. All it takes is a little hole and some fire, and this thing can just fall into itself well, like that. There would be lots of fires, and like there were hotel fires that yeah. lasted hours and hours and hours and hours, and buildings never. So that was Rosie O'Donnell, yeah. and Joe Rogan talking yeah. like 
15 years ago. I like Joe. He thinks out of the box. Yeah, at least he's honest, and at least he admits what he doesn't know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I, th- yeah. I still, I, always, I, mean, I, I still think know, Building Seven is the one, though. There's, there was molten steel underneath Building Seven weeks afterwards, and why would there be molten steel if there was no jet fuel to melt that steel? That's what blows my mind. <laughs> right, right. I, you know, that's what I don't gets know, me man. the most. So, you know, I, don't I, mean, know. It, it, I, I hate to go back to you know, I keep going back to Danny's um, survey. Five hundred fifty people, three people only knowing about Building Seven. But that's not by design. People don't know about it on purpose. Like they, people make right. sure that 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 is not talked about. Like it is, it's not yeah. a, not a big not a big thing. It's, I don't even think it's covered in the 9/11 Commission report. I really don't. Right. But uh, I do have a clip from Loose Change about Building Seven. Uh, I think I fucked up on this clip, but I'm gonna go ahead and play it anyways. Later that evening at 5:30. World Trade Center 7 suddenly collapses. The building's tenants include the CIA, the Secret Service, and Rudy Giuliani's emergency bunker. And the SEC was using it to store three to 4,000 files related to numerous Wall Street investigations. The official explanation is that falling debris created an internal fire, which ignited several fuel tanks inside the building. If this is true, then it would be the third building in history to collapse because of a fire. The first two would be the Twin Towers. So that's once again from this change. And it's and it's true. I mean, the, the building didn't get hit by a plane. It just had some loose fires. Well, and I am actually currently saying goodnight to my little baby girl who I haven't seen all night under the podcast. Goodnight, little girl. <laughs> yeah. That's right. A little live podcast interruption. Thanks, Amelia. Love you. <laughs> One day I'm going to teach that girl about Building 7 and she's going to know. She's like, Daddy, stop talking about these goddamn conspiracies. You're worse than those JFK grandpas. Huh. Yeah, but Building 7, you know, not hit by a plane. Third plane to ever fall in free fall speed into dust, into its own shadow. I mean, it's crazy. Like, that's the, I mean, I didn't know about Building 7. I didn't know about Building 7 until 2005 until I watched this change. Otherwise, I would never know about Building 7. Why would I? Why would I care to know? You know? Right, nothing happened there. You know, like nothing epic. It's just fire. Yeah, I mean, that's the smoking gun yeah. for me. But there is so much more. Let's tackle the, the actual trade centers. And I want to play some clips of, of just random um, news reports talking about demolitions and explosions. We'll go demolitions first. Like one of those planned implosions, but of course there was nothing planned. The second building that was hit by the plane has just completely collapsed. The entire building has just collapsed as if a demolition team set off. When you see the old demolitions of these old buildings, it pulled it down on itself and it is not there. 10 o'clock Eastern time this morning, just collapsing on itself. This is a place where thousands of people work. We have no idea what caused this. Um, If you wish to bring uh, anybody who's ever watched a building being demolished on purpose knows that if you're going to do this, you have to get at the the under-infrastructure of a building and bring it down. 
I actually think Peter Jennings. Peter Jennings was actually inside that the trade center. Jennings I think he 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 saved hundreds of lives. Peter Jennings did. Well, cool. I, I'm just kidding because Peter Jennings was a fucking liar. Anyway, <laughs> remember when Peter Jennings said that he got attacked in, uh, from like helicopter fire or something like that in Bosnia, Iraq? I forget which part of he said he was. But in any event, so those, those are those are live accounts well, of he, demolition. He died of cancer, so. So there were a, a tremendous amount of accounts of sepa, separate explosions and separate, like, people were seeing, like, what do they call like squibs or quibs or something like that, where you see yeah, the... Squibs. Yeah, squibs, like the, the little uh, air. like a shot line out. Yeah. Yeah. So many accounts of those and so many accounts of secondary explosions down in the basement, um, down underneath, um, down on the... Um, the lobby room of World Trade Center building number one, it looked as though bombs had gone off down there. And it, it just the collapse really just kind of took any kind of investigation that we would, any real kind of investigation that we could ever have on, on, on a lot of those separate accounts away. We Those got way pushed under the bed. We never allowed to talk about those. I mean, especially since after not, after the towers collapsed, they sent most of the steel and most of the of the remaining um, from columns and beams off to China to get burned down and to and to get uh, and they basically just sold it all. So we, there was really yeah. never even real investigation to be had. So, so yeah, that was, yeah. I mean, it's it's tough to say, man. I mean, that could, you know the stuff that. About about the uh, evacuation drills and the clearance and the, the cameras being turned off and the bomb sniffing dogs being taken away. That shit is that's fucked up. There's something right? really fucked up about that. Yeah, absolutely. I could, Bruce. I could tell people about that, and it's difficult for me to do that because it sounds so fucking crazy. It's. You're like, oh yeah, they took out the sniffing dogs, and they turned off the cameras, and and it it just sounds like I'm, I'm it sounds like I'm a Russian like I'm a Russian scare cuckoo like the, like I think that as a 9/11 truther, I am in the same camp with the Russian scare people today, except I don't have the multi-billionaire media and an entire conservative and liberal investigation going on to find out the truth, like as they are with the whole Russia conspiracy. Imagine if they gave a tenth of percent of effort that they're doing with this Russia conspiracy to the 9-11 conspiracy. I mean, so many things changed. The Patriot Act, the National Defensive Authorization Act. I mean, the the, the, the Department of Homeland Security was developed. Guantanamo Bay the practice of right. torture, two American wars that led to seven American wars under Obama. If we could go back in time and prove that 9-11 wasn't what it was, oh, that that ship has long sailed. I used to think um, that with, yeah, you know. I used to think that within time we could change things, but it's just, it's too far gone. Yeah. I'll tell you though, I mean, you know, with nine eleven, um, 
I don't know. I look at it this way. Like I look at it this way too from time to time. Like it's it could you know it 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 has its it has its um it has its fucked up parts where it's like yeah we definitely knew there was shit going on and we let it happen. But there's also stuff where um. There's also stuff where I think this is what I think happened to be completely honest. I mean to put it in the in this you know, kind of a short like put it into paragraph form. Give I think that what happened is I think the I think that what happened is that we had a plan that looked good on paper. And we sold that plan and outsourced it to some gangsters that we thought could carry it out and did, but I think that um I think they took it a little too far, and I think that once the people that were at the helm of this whole thing saw what they'd done. I think they started to backpedal a little bit because they realized how serious the damage that they had done really was. And it just are all you ref- after are that you, became, Are you, are you I, referencing I then it, to, like, um, America's involvement with, with like, the, the Bin Ladens and the Taliban? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and okay. I think at the end of the day what it became was our guys went into, C, into CYA mode completely. And they got scared. And the guys that they outsourced it to just didn't give a fuck. Because they never have given a fuck. That's why we went to them. Yeah, why would they start then? I mean, it is important to note that Osama bin Laden was on the books of the CIA. That's historical fact. Oh, yeah. And things must have went haywire. I mean, there were... You know, has been since... um, You know, I mean, he has been... You know, what's funny is that you know, our government has worked with people the likes of Zbigniew Brzezinski, who started the fucking, who had a hand and oh, openly admitted in having a yes. hand in starting the the um the uh, um the Soviet Afghan war, and we also had Osama bin Laden on the books, who we outsourced, who we used and trained. To become a CIA tactician So it was like You know We've been all over the place With these people for years and years And I think that we kind of Weighed our options And you know They went You know This guy's fantastic contractor We've known him since the 80s You know Yeah he did his dirt in 93 He knows He knows this city He knows what's good You know Let's see if You know Let's see if we can do this shit and we got together with him, and he's down to do it. But then I think when they saw the amount of destruction and how well he carried it out, they were like, oh, fuck. Yeah, they're going to create something bigger than they can contain. Yeah, I think they were like, oh, shit, he's really fucking doing all of the shit that, you know. And, and when that happened, you know, like I said, our side 
decided to cut bait. So they took down. Well, yeah, our side decided. Our side decided to cut bait. So they shot down ninety three. They fucking, you know, because the Pentagon had already been hit, and so had the World Trade Center. So they shot down ninety three, and then they started, and then immediately went into fucking cover your ass mode. You know what I mean? Right then, and then. After that, well, it was probably one of the last errors of time where started. you really can cover your ass like that. And then, yeah, and they just completely started to backpedal on all their shit. They went to cover your ass mode so much so that all the planes were grounded, and they sent all the members of the fucking Saudi family in a plane, and that was the only plane allowed in the air, and sent them all back. Away. Right? Like, nope. You know, you're, you you're know, getting the fuck out of here. I've I've had these thoughts, too, that this was just a bad deal gone wrong, gone, gone way bad. And it does make sense why in the aftermath of 9-11, when we have a complete nationwide no-fly zone, that the only people that were allowed to fly out of a country was a handful of the bin Laden family back to Saudi Arabia. And it's actually quite infuriating when I tell people that and they tell me that I'm a liar and a conspiracy theorist and I'm like, dude, this actually happened. This is the truth. These are the no, facts. That's fact. Like, that's fact. And you know, it, it may not be as as a gruesome and dark conspiracy as folks like Alex Jones may lead us on to believe. And maybe it, it, you're probably more right than anyone else. It was a deal gone wrong. We were making a deal with bad guys, gangsters as you call them to help our own our own issues that we were trying to, you know, figure out and it's turned ugly. We turned our backs on them and they got revenge on us. But with help from people inside, that I'm not too sure. But it still just blows my mind the whole bin Laden thing. I don't think it was a deal gone wrong. I think it was a I don't even necessarily think it was a deal gone wrong. I think it was a deal I think that they did it so well that it fucking scared. I think they were like, "Oh shit!" Like this is so. This you is think all it, really was a, it was happening? A, it was. It was a deal. It was a deal that was good, and then became too real. They backed out. I mean, because the whole thing was like there was this pipeline that they were building in Afghanistan that was supposed to unite Afghanistan and Pakistan, and then they just backed. They completely backed out of this whole plan. And there's uh-huh. just so much, and, and I mean. And we've we've been now talking for almost two hours, and we barely even touched the surface. We we haven't even touched the whole. Oh, oh, I, I've oh. talked to. Yeah. I mean, I've talked to people who think that nine eleven was a complete conspiracy to bring heroin and prescription meds into the country and dumb us down. I mean, you could dumb us down one way, and like there's there's many ways, but like you could dumb us down through lead poisoning, like that's going on in Flint. Or that's going on in Pueblo, Colorado, mind you. They had to change 50 water fountains in Pueblo, Colorado's District 60 schools because they found heavy amounts of lead contamination. Or you could dumb down the society by increasing the opioid addiction rate by like a thousand percent, which it has. Heroin addiction has gone up. It, it's, it's absolutely insane. I mean, I don't know how many people are or have access to fentanyl. I mean, and, and I'm speaking because I don't even I don't even know. I've never even seen heroin before in my life. But I don't think it's any coincidence that since 2001, heroin has replaced meth as the number one danger drug in you know today's society. What do you have to? What do you think about yeah. that? Well, I mean, this is, I mean, if you look at it, um, you can look at it this way too. I mean, 
when we were coming out of Afghanistan, which we did for a while, Barack Obama came in and there was a resurgence back into Afghanistan. Well, we were opioid use time in America for, you know, for, because they were, you know, they were using the shit for pharmaceutical purposes as well. But opioid, opioid use, uh, opioid, well, like, um, I guess you'd say, I guess you would say opium shipments that were being used for black market reasons, such as, you know, heroin shit that were coming to America was at about, was roughly at about 53% in 2007. And that's when Bush was pulling out a lot of guys from Afghanistan. Well, Barack Obama came in in 2008, and mid-2008 started a resurgence, sent 400,000 troops over there again. And did that by the end of 2008, we had roughly 400,000 more people over there. And um, so, do so do you think that as people troops bringing back? By by the time at the end of by the start of 2009, the the opioid shipments that were being used for black market use in the United States was at 91 (laughs) percent. Fucking incredible. So going from yeah. 53 to 91 in less than two years is that's insane. And you know, it's a, I mean that's a conspiracy all on its own. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Definitely. You know. Uh, you know, and the problem lies in like, you know, and Bush was definitely, definitely doing it first before Barack Obama, but they had to make it look like they had to look like it had to make it look like they were dumbing it down because it was getting kind of high up there for a while there in like 2004, I think it was 2005. It was at like 73% 70 or it was between 73 and 75, I believe. But that was when Pat Tillman got killed by friendly fire, mind you. But that he was right. So we were, story. He so was we right, were told he was. Yeah. He was writing uh, letters home to his mom saying, like, you know, our guys are running convoys where we got guys in the front and the back of these convoys while there's big shipments of opium in the middle of these convoys that we're guiding down the road. And our guys are just guarding opium fields, like... He's like, I don't know what the hell really, going on over here because we're not right? doing anything else. Is that all? Is that all we became was just opium field protectors, and not? I mean, it's, yeah. Well, yeah, and then like, I'm pretty sure like the the shock and awe campaign that dropped bombs on the Taliban took care of most of our issue, and then the rest of the time we're there. I'm not sure what the hell we're doing, but but hey, Bruce, we got yeah. just a couple more minutes left in the show. I know Steve. Steve, you're still on the line, aren't you? Yeah. Can you hear hey, me? Hey man, thanks for. Yeah, thanks for hanging with us. I know we've been talking about the the opioid epidemic and and kind of linking it in, to nine eleven in a in a sense. I kind of want to just give you the well, last I, word on, on that before I let before I let you guys both go and do the outro thank here. You, thank you what for you letting me of? on. I, I 
I, I could tell you this. All right. So most of the, most of the heroin that we see in this part of the country in, in like Colorado, um, in the West, it, it comes from Mexico. It's shipped, it's shipped up from Mexico. There's huge fields of, of heroin of, op, of uh, poppies down in Mexico. And I, I, I don't know about a lot of the rest of the country, but I could tell you uh, in Pueblo anyway, um, there several years ago, like there was a big problem with pharmaceutical opiates. Like everybody was, was using Oxycontins. Everybody was using Oxycodone. Um, and I'm not, I'm not sure if all, you know, the pharmaceutical companies are getting this from Afghanistan. I, I think a lot of it actually is, is manufactured, um, um, synthetically. But mm-hmm. uh, several years ago, though, they they basically shut down like a couple of the doctors that had huge prescriptions going out to people. I mean, like all of Pueblo was supplied with with massive amounts of of, of these pills, and when they they cut everybody off pretty much at once, you know, like all of all of the town turned to heroin, and basically found something that was cheaper and stronger than the pills they'd been doing. And, you know, it, it's caused a, a bad epidemic down, down here anyway, with when it comes to heroin. So I, I'm not, I'm not exactly like sure of, 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 you know, if, if that's really what, what the whole thing was about. I mean, I'm sure that that has a part to play in it, why we went into Afghanistan, but I'm just saying like, the the most of the heroin that that we see in this part of the country comes from Mexico. Now I I can say this though that I I personally I I really believe that that the powers that be that that the people that 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 control all of us they uh, they really have an agenda to to tell you know people oh oh drugs are bad don't do drugs drugs are bad make them illegal make them punishable and like make it so that all the rebellious people or a large portion of the rebellious side of society um, wind up doing this, this, these drugs, which sedate them and single them out and make it so that it, it's easier to keep us under their thumb. I do believe that. Yeah, I, though. Agree. Uh, I agree. I agree there. I agree there. And, and, not, and not to cut you off, but I got about 30 more seconds left in the show. Steve, Bruce, I want to thank you guys both for calling in and, and weighing, weighing your Most opinions definitely. on them, all these crazy topics. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for creating uh, the poll. Been, oh, of course. Of course, you guys have been uh, – gr- it's been a great show, haven't you guys? Uh, we've been talking about 9-11 all show. You've been listening to the Triggered and Divided podcast. And I will be back next Tuesday. And there is a change. It is only me now. Um, Dylan is now off the show. Uh, for own, his own personal reasons, um, everything is still cool. But uh, oh like God, I said, you can find us hey, on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can't find us on Twitter. But you can always find me here every single Tuesday. Triggered and divided. You guys have a good day. You stay conspiratorial. I know. I'm about to be 46 years old, dog. Talk about I'm a cool up trick, trick. Man, you sound like a bitch, bitch. Man, I can handle your shit. Mad about something I said in 2012. Took you six years and a surprise album just to come with a diss. Homie, we get it. We know that you're the greatest rapper alive. 
motherfucking dweeb All you do is read the dictionary and stay inside Fuck rap God, I'm the rap devil Come a bare face with a black shovel Like the Armageddon When the smoke settles His body next to this instrumental I'm saying I'm sick of them sweatsuits And them corny ass Let's talk about it I'm sick of you being rich And you still mad Let's talk about it Bubba of a single dad's in the Midwest We can talk about it Or we can get gully Or size up your body And put some white chalk around it Talk about the fact you actually blackball a rapper that's twice as young as you. Let's call Sway, ask why I can't go up to Shea 45 because of you. Let's ask Interscope how you had Paul Rosenberg trying to shelf me. Still can't cover up the facts, your last four hours is bad as yourself. Now tell me, what are you staying for? What? I know you can't stand yourself, bro. Trying to be the old you so bad, you stand yourself. Let's leave all the beef in the 50. Please. M to push a 50. Why you claiming I'ma call Puff when you the one that called Diddy? Fact. Then you went and called Jimmy. Fact. The conference called me in the morning. They told me you mad about a tweet. You wanted me to say sorry. I swear to God I ain't believe him. Please say it ain't so. The big bad bully of the rap game.